Hello, and welcome to the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency, all things homesteading, and about how we can reduce the gap between our consumption and our production. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 323 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. We are back to our usual recording and release schedule this week. Sorry about last week's blip. I think it's safe to say we can probably expect a few more blips over the coming weeks, particularly when it comes to the actual moving house dates for us. There's going to be a period of a week or so when I might be a little bit less able to record episodes than otherwise I am able due to things like internet connectivity, but uh, we'll just have to see how it goes and take it as it comes. So only a tiny bit of housekeeping this uh, today, just to say that I will be doing back to our giveaways this week. So we'll be giving away a book on Friday and I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of today's episode, which is a back to basics episode, continuing our Monday series, our back to basics series. And today we're talking about growing vegetables. So back to basics, growing vegetables. And if you are new to the podcast, We're going to be talking about all sorts of things that we've probably covered in greater depth elsewhere. And if you're not, it's a good little reminder and a way of just going through some things that are perhaps in older episodes that aren't available on some of the podcast catches out there. So we're going to just talk about really broad strokes and how we think about growing vegetables and just, well, you know, the, the title says it all, I think, back to basics. So the first thing to say is I don't pretend to be an expert gardener, an expert vegetable grower. Far from it. I have far more of a scattergun approach. And uh, interestingly enough, we, we've we got on Wednesday coming up an interview with Alan. I had a conversation with Alan from the Urban Homesteading UK podcast or the Homesteading UK podcast, as it's now known. And uh, this topic came up and I am in the process of really refining a lot of my skills. As we move from a huge area to a small area, I'm definitely having to change how I do a lot of things because for vegetable growing in particular, I was able to employ a really scattergun approach. I could just grow everything and I didn't have to, I had literally zero space considerations really. And I could just grow whatever I wanted. I could grow loads of it, throw a load of seeds in. I never had to worry about things like protecting my brassicas because I would just throw in loads and we'd harvest the 10% that made it through all the pests. Well, that's having to change. And when we move to our new home, we'll definitely have to be far, far more focused on actually making sure that everything we plant grows or at least as close to everything as we can. And we're going to have to be more focused on what we grow and how we grow it. So this is a good episode for me, timing wise, for me to have gone through and done a bit of research on. And uh, it's worked really well. So the, the first thing I want to say is that, what you know, I'm no expert. I'm learning just like everybody else. And uh, everything I say is from what I have learnt. And that's not to say that I always have practiced what I preach because we all live in different situations. So that's the first thing I wanted to really bookmark this, or bookend rather, this episode with is saying that everybody's situation is different. And 
you'll have to temper all of these pieces of advice and opinions with your particular situation. Perhaps you live in a climate that's different to the one on the seed packet, the one the seed packet is suggesting you grow for. Perhaps you live in a different climate to me. Perhaps you have more space or less space. Perhaps you have loads and loads of time. Maybe you're retired and you spend 30 hours a week in the garden. Perhaps you work a ridiculous number of hours and you're only to spend only able to spend an hour or two a week in the garden. These are all things that can affect what we're able to do and we need to tailor what we're growing and how we're growing it to our personal situation. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. When I talk about back to basics vegetable growing, that's probably the biggest thing is just to think about your situation and, you know, temper what you're doing to that. Make sure that you've got plenty to get on with if your issue is that you've got far too much time on your hands and make sure you don't overface yourself and plant too much if you're someone who really struggles for time. These are all really, really important things because as much as anything else, the biggest the biggest hurdle, I think, to vegetable gardening for some people, particularly new gardeners, can be one of just motivation and keeping that motivation going for 12 months of the year and then for successive years. It's really important when you start out to start out with some wins and with a manageable space and all those kinds of things. So with that said, let's talk about the actual growing of vegetables themselves. The first thing that I want to say, and it's something that I don't see this advice anywhere. Whenever I, well, when I was doing episode for, uh, research for this episode, for example, but whenever I've done any research really around this area, I don't see this piece of advice, but I think it's one of the most important for novice gardeners. And that is to say that our biggest job most of the time is just to get out the way. And what I mean by that is the seeds want to grow. The plants want to grow. That's their job, you know. That's what they've literally been evolved to do. They've evolved themselves over millions or however long. But, you know, you might have a variety that's been cultivated over a much shorter period of time. But generally speaking, you know, these things have evolved over millions of years to do what it is they're designed to do. They're designed to photosynthesize and take in energy from the sun. They're designed to collect moisture from the soil. They're designed to collect nutrients from the soil and they're designed to grow the crop that we want to harvest. So in most part, what we need to do is get out the way and not do anything where our interference is actually going to harm the plant. So we're going to talk about, you know, in this area, things like overwatering or putting them somewhere where there's no water and they're not watering them. I think more plants, when we talk about watering, I think more plants are lost through overwatering than underwatering, particularly once they're planted into the ground. Perhaps not in containers, but for in-ground growing, I think more plants are going to suffer from overwatering than underwatering, particularly at the seed and seedling stage. So, like I say, our, our main job is to get out of the way, and we can get out of the way once we know we've given them what they need. So what I mean by that is have a little think about exactly where you're going to plant, where you're going to grow. Have they got sun? Do they need sun? Do they, how much sun do they need? Are they exposed to too much wind? So if you can find a lovely, sunny, but sheltered from the wind spot, then you really are golden to grow most things. Now, there's a few plants. And again, this is going to come down to a theme that we'll touch on several times this episode. And that is to just check the seed packet. Check what it is you're growing and what they like. Because 
some plants aren't necessarily going to want full sun, particularly if you live in a warm climate and you're growing in the summer. A lot of our salad crops, for example, are going to benefit from some shade. So picking the right spot that just gives the plant everything it needs is going to be huge and critical to us being able to then do what I said and get out the way and let the plant do its thing. So the seed itself contains a crazy amount of energy. It contains enough energy to basically create that seedling. All we need to do is provide a little bit of water. And then after that, when we're actually asking the plant to grow on and become a much bigger plant that we're going to be able to harvest, that's the point at which it needs those additional nutrients and what have you from the soil. So I think I think of growing vegetables I think there's a little bit of analogy. Uh, I think it's a little bit analogous to the game of golf. Personally, for me, when I think of the game of golf, I think it's really sort of two games. You've got your strokes from the tee and getting it onto the green, and then you've got putting. And the two are, although they're they're obviously linked and they're similar and they're working towards the same goal, they're two very very different aspects of the game. And I think of that. Very analogous to the idea of growing from seed, because I think you've got sowing seedlings or sowing rather. Let me let me let me rephrase that. Sowing seeds and growing them into seedlings, I think, is one set of skills. And then going from seedlings to the harvestable plant, I think, is a completely different part of the game. So that's why I say I think it's quite analogous to golf. And one thing you can do if you are starting out, if you're a novice gardener, if you want to just go back to basics and learn these things incrementally, is you can take the putting right out of your game and not worry about that for a while. You can just buy seedlings because then what you're going to do is you're not going to worry about any of the things like germination. You're not going to have to worry about perhaps growing things that are not quite ready to be outside because of the weather where you are and having to protect them from frost. You can just wait until you're ready and then buy the seedlings and put them straight in the ground. And then all you've got to worry about is that second element, just the the growing them on from seedlings to the finished article. So that's a great tip, I think, for novice gardeners who are just starting out. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is soil. A lot of people, not so much in this day and age, I think it's a testament really to how far we've come with regards to sustainability and understanding how our environments work, that in this day and age, it's not really the case as much, but you don't have to go back very far and all that you used to hear about was about feeding your plants. And what we would do is we would buy fertilizer from the store and we would just pour that in and give that to our plants. That's where our plants would get our their nutrients from whereas now things have moved on and I think that more and more we're hearing from mainstream sources on this topic that we're not really thinking about feeding plants anymore we're thinking about feeding the soil and I think that's a much healthier much more sustainable way of doing it and regular listeners will know all about me and know how I feel about it and I don't need to espouse too much about it here but I just want to say that generally speaking especially if you're planting into the ground We'll talk a little bit about the differences between in-ground and container planting. But if you're planting into the ground, it's definitely the best thing for you to think about feeding your soil. Because by feeding your soil, what you're doing is you're creating that amazing environment that's already got everything 
that your plants are going to need. And that's what go that's what is going to ultimately enable us to do that main tip of getting out the way. So by feeding our soil, what I really mean is just adding lots and lots of organic matter to it, whether that's compost from your compost pile that you've composted, whether it's compost that you've purchased, whether it's mulches, whatever it might be, by adding lots and lots of organic matter to our soil, we're really feeding it and we're creating this incredibly fertile space for our plants to thrive in. Now, of course, by creating a lovely fertile piece of land for plants to thrive in, we've also created a lovely fertile piece of land for weeds. So we do want to keep on top of that. And there's not a lot to say here beyond, you know, just keep on top of your weeding. And it's that much easier as you go throughout the season. Now, one of the things that we can do, which really just I've spoken a million times about the benefits of mulching. But one of the things we can do that ticks several boxes is by mulching and what is mulching well it's as simple as adding a layer a loose layer of organic matter on top of your soil once your seeds or seedlings are planted and they've come through you can put some mulch around them and what that's going to do it's going to add a layer above the soil that they're planted in of loose substrate and this serves many, many purposes. Firstly, because it's organic matter, what's going to happen is over the course of several seasons or a year or more, it's going to break down and it's going to become the soil of next season and the season after. And in so doing, because it's organic matter, it's already containing all those nutrients that future plants are going to need. So we're feeding our soil. We're creating that amazing soil that our plants need. It's also going to help with things like moisture retention. You're not going to have as much of the moisture in your soil just evaporate out. It's like a little blanket for it. So it's going to really help with that as well. If you are on particularly clay or sandy soil, adding this organic matter, whether it's in mulch or however you're doing it, is also going to actually improve your soil. It's going to bring your soil closer to the medium, closer to the perfect soil that we need. It just serves so many, so many benefits that mulching, I think, is really, really one of the biggest things we can do to help ourselves. It's going to reduce weeds as well because it's not going to give something, if you're using something like wood chip, for example, or straw, then you're also, you're, you've got that mulch, which is also forming a barrier, if you like, between any seed ingress, weed seeds getting into your soil and propagating. It's going to also provide shade to the soil, which again is going to stop some seeds germinating. So it's a, I'm talking about weeds here. So it really does serve many, many benefits. And mulching is something that I can't really recommend enough or say enough about. Next up, so we've spoken a little bit about broad strokes about environment there and, and what sort of environment we want to create for our plant. The next thing to say is I'm assuming that you've already chosen what seeds you're, you're going to sow, what plants you're going to grow. And if you haven't, well, I've done several episodes on that that are, you know, standalone. Um, it's probably worth just mentioning that the main aspects are just thinking of easy to grow things, things that are going to give you lots of production, things that you are definitely going to eat. These are all things that you're going to want to consider. But once you've done that, you've prepared your ground, you're ready to go. Next thing to say is read the seed packet instructions or spend a minute online just Googling the seed and the variety and just making sure that you understand its needs. Because 
I think a lot of the time we can fall into the habit of believing that we are the masters of our own seed sowing and vegetable growing universe and that things will do what we want. But things will do what we want so much happier if we understand what they want and we give it to them. So understanding each variety of plant that you're putting in is going to really, really work to your benefit when you're choosing where you're going to sow things. The other thing to say about location within the plot is to make some choices about things like climbers. If you're going to be growing runner beans up poles, then you probably want to put them on the northern boundary of your plot because what that means is they're not going to be causing shade across the rest of your plot. Depending on the size of your plot, you've got lots of considerations in this vein to think about. Again, I've spoken already about how some plants might enjoy a bit of shade. So maybe you use, as we've done here, you use the, the taller plants to create that shade in the warmer parts of the season for the other plants that will enjoy it. So it's just a, a, a case of understanding what the plants want, understanding what they need, and then playing around with where you sow them to best give them those things. And then again, like I said at the start, get out of the way, get out of the way and let them do their thing. Timing of your plantings can be quite important. So again, there are there are long season crops that are going to go want to go in really really early that we're not going to sow for, that we're not going to reap rather for several months, maybe six to even nine months for some things or longer. So you're going to want to think about how much space you want to give over to those types of crops. You're going to want to time them so that they work with the seasons. There's no point in sowing things that aren't going to survive because it's too cold or it's going to get too cold before they're ready and some things are really really fast growing things like radishes we talk about a lot as a super fast growing crop so perhaps we want to think about something called succession planting things like lettuce maybe you want to grow a handful of lettuce ever or sow a handful of lettuce every couple of weeks so that you've got them throughout the year rather than having 30 or 40 lettuce all be ready in the same week and you not be able to get through them by the time that they are all gone over so it's definitely worth thinking about how long things take and how much you're going to want over a certain amount of time it's also worth considering what grows well in your area and the best way of finding out this is to take a stroll down to your local allotment and just have a chat with people. Find out what grows really well in your area because you might be surprised and we all have not only our climates but microclimates around the areas we live. The next up thing to think about I think is you've, we've spoken about our garden and gardening and growing in the ground have you considered your greenhouse or polytunnel? Do you have one? Do you need one? You know, for certain plants in certain areas, you're not going to grow them without some kind of housing, whether it's a greenhouse or a polytunnel, or maybe just a cold frame. A cold frame is basically like a mini raised bed with a glass top on it that acts as a combination between a raised bed and a, and a greenhouse really we're going to be building some of them when we move I think that's the plan at least so again planning everything out in lots of time so that you know where things are going to be when is crucial I think it's all well and good sowing 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 but if you don't have anywhere for those plants to live for the amount of time they need to be protected then you're going to create a bit of a problem for yourself and I think starting out it's all about avoiding those problems, making it so that everything is manageable. Speaking of manageability, also think about harvesting. 
you know, if you are growing lots and lots of beans, they're really going to want harvesting pretty much every day or two if you want to maximize your crop. So are you going to have time to do that when they are in full production? Think about family holidays and things like that. These are all things that can go into our decision making and make it so that down the road we don't find ourselves in a position that we're struggling to deal with and that can sometimes be off-putting and have a sort of detrimental effect on how we feel about the garden. So that's everything about in-ground growing. The only thing to add, I think, is a little bit on pots. Now, when we talk about growing in pots and you can extrapolate this out to also include raised beds to a degree, depending on the size of your raised bed and how you manage it. But you may find, particularly in smaller pots, that the idea of adding to your soil uh, with mulches and things like that doesn't necessarily lend itself to that type of gardening. So perhaps in that instance, if you're growing just for one year in a pot and then you're amending that soil, you're changing the compost that you've got in that pot every couple of years, then that's one way of doing it and making sure that that soil is always full of life and has got all the nutrients and everything that you need. But we just need to spend a minute and think that by having something in a pot, we're cutting it off from the ground. So what we're basically doing is we're creating a much smaller version of the ground and a smaller version is far less tolerant to things like extremes of weather. It's going to dry out faster. It's also potentially going to get waterlogged faster if you haven't got it draining well. It's going to deplete the nutrients in there faster because it doesn't have access to what I constantly refer to the soil food web, which is this amazing web of underground life that basically communicates across vast distances and is able to transfer nutrients where we need them. You don't have that ability within a pot. So if we're growing in pots, and that's not to say you shouldn't or you can't, but if we're growing in pots, then we should be aware that we will need to just think about these things that little bit more than we would growing in the ground. Right, I think that just about covers our back to basics vegetable growing. And uh, hopefully you've found that useful. I know I have. And I think even though it's a back to basics episode, it's really helped me crystallize some of my thoughts about what I'm doing this season. So hopefully it's done the same for you, even if you are a slightly more experienced grower. Right, before we go, I will just mention this Friday's giveaway. So this Friday, we will be giving away a mushroom foraging logbook. It was a Christmas gift to me, but I am beyond the point where I use something like this now, really, for my mushroom foraging. But if you are just starting out, it's fantastic and really helpful to keep track of what you're finding. It's basically a textbook that you fill in and on each page there's a list of little tick boxes and notes that you make about the characteristics of the mushroom that you found, where you found it, what was around it, the weather conditions, what type of forest you're in, if you're in a forest, date, location, all those kinds of things. And it's a really good way of logging your finds and it will help you hone your skills at mushroom foraging. And we will be giving that away on Friday to a lucky patron. We'll be doing a draw on Friday from all of the patrons of the show, minus those that have already won. And uh, so if you haven't yet won, your chances are going up every week. 
<laughs> don't worry. Uh, and if you would like to be included in that draw, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. That's it for today, folks. It will be on Wednesday, my interview with Alan from the Homesteading UK podcast. Oh, actually, I've got one more piece of housekeeping. That is to say, Alan has, uh, after our interview, we carried on chatting for a bit. And Alan says that there's lots that he wanted to talk to me about, really, that we didn't have time for, about my move and the nitty gritty of moving a homestead and what we're doing so he has very kindly offered to come back and do kind of a an interview segment with me where he's going to be interviewing me and he's more than happy he said to field listener questions as well so if you would like to get your listener questions to alan you can do so by either posting them on our facebook group or by sending them via email to me that's self-sufficient contact at gmail.com but if you get your questions in either via facebook or to me i'll make sure alan gets them and then he will ask me those on a very very soon to come episode of the self-sufficient hub podcast that's it for today guys thanks for listening and i'll speak to you really soon cheers This episode of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast was brought to you by our patrons. You guys are awesome. If you'd like to support the show, there's lots of ways you can do it. The easiest of which is just to like and review it wherever you get our podcasts. You can also tell somebody about it, whether that's on social media or just face-to-face with a friend who you think might benefit from it. But however you support our podcast, we really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to become a patron, please consider doing so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, it's listeners like you that make all of this possible. Thank you ever so much for listening, and I'll speak to you really soon.